love them, but love within its proper limits was Julia's innocent determination in young Don Juan's favour and to him its exertion might be useful on occasion and lighted it to purest shrine to dim its ethereal lustre what with sweet persuasion you might be taught by love and her together I really don't know what nor Julia either fraught with this fine intention and well fenced in mail of proof her purity of soul she for the future of her strength convinced and that her honour was a rock or mole exceeding sagely from the hour dispensed with any kind of troublesome control but whether Julia to the task was equal is that what is that which must be mentioned in the sequel her plan she deemed both innocent and feasible and surely with a stripling of sixteen not scandal's fangs could fix on much that's seizable or if they did so satisfied to mean nothing but what was good her breast was peaceable a quiet conscience makes one so serene Christians have burnt each other, are quite persuaded that all the apostles would have done as they did. And if in the meantime her husband died, but heaven forbid that such a fault should cross, her brain, though in a dream, and then she sighed, never could she survive that common loss, but just suppose that moment should betide. I only say suppose, it internos, that should be entire nous, for Julia fought in French, but then the rhyme would go for naught. I only say suppose this supposition, one being then grown up to a man's estate, would fully suit a, win a widow of condition. Even seven years hence it would not be too late, and in the interim to pursue this vision. The mischief after all could not be great, for he would learn the rudiments of love, I mean the seraph way of those above. So much for Julia, now we'll turn to one. Poor little fellow, he had no idea of his own case, and never hit the true one. In feelings quick as Ovid's Miss Medea, he puzzled over what he found the new one, but not as yet imagined it could be, thing quite in course and not at all alarming, which, with a little patience, might grow charming. Silent and pensive, idle, restless, slow, his home deserted for the lonely wood, tormented with a wound he could not know, his, like, a deep grief, like all deep grief, plunged in solitude, and fond myself of solitude or so, but then I beg it may be understood, by solitude I mean a sultan's knot, a hermit's with a haram for a grot. O oh love, in such, a in such a wilderness as this, where transport and security entwine, here is the empire of thy perfect bliss, and here thou art a god indeed divine. The bard I quote from does not sing amiss, with the exception of the second line, for that same winning transport and security are twisted to a phrase of some obscurity. The poet meant, no doubt, and thus appeals to the good sense and senses of mankind, the very thing which everybody feels, as all have found on trial or may find, that no one loves to be disturbed at meals or love, I won't say more about entwined, or transport as we knew all that before, but beg security will bolt the door. Young one wandered by the glassy brooks, thinking unutterable things, he threw himself at length within the leafy nooks, where the wild branch of the cork forest grow, grew. Their poets find material for their books, and every now and then we read them through, so that their plan and prosody are eligible, unless, like Wordsworth, they prove unintelligible. He, one and not Wordsworth, 
so pursued his self-communion with his own high soul until his mighty heart in its great mood had mitigated part, though not the whole of its disease. He did the best he could with things not very subject to control and turned, without perceiving his condition, like Coleridge, into a metaphysician. He thought about himself and the whole earth of man, the wonderful, and of the stars, and how the deuce they ever could have birth. And then he thought of earthquakes and of wars, how many miles the moon might have in girth, of air balloons and of the many bars to perfect knowledge of the boundless skies. And then he thought of Donna Julia's eyes. In thoughts like these, the true wisdom may discern longing sublime and aspirations high, which some are born with, but for the most part learn to plague themselves with all, they know not why. It was strange that one so young should thus concern his brain about the action of the sky. If you think twas philosophy that this did, I can't help thinking puberty assisted. He poured upon the leaves and on the flowers, and heard a voice in all the winds, and then he thought of wood nymphs and immortal bowers, and how the goddesses came down to men. He missed the pathway, he forgot the hours, and when he looked upon his watch again, he found how much old time had been a winner, he also found that he had lost his dinner. Sometimes he turned to gaze upon his book, Boscan or Garcilasso, by the wind, even as the pages rustled while we look. So by the poesy of his own mind, over the mystic leaf, his soul was shook. As if it were one where a magician's their spells and gives them to the passing gale, according to some good old woman's tale. Thus would he, while his lonely hours away, dissatisfied, nor knowing what he wanted, nor glowing reverie, nor poet's lay, could yield his spirit that for which it panted, a bosom whereon his head might lay, and hear the heartbeat with the love it granted, with several other things which I forget, or which at least I need not mention yet. These lonely walks and lengthening reveries could not escape the gentle Julia's eyes. She saw that one was not at his ease, but that which chiefly may and must surprise is that the Donna Inez did not tease her only son with question or surmise, whether it was whether it was she did not see or would not, or like all very clever people could not. This may seem strange, but yet it's very common. For instance, gentlemen whose ladies take leave to overstep the written rights of woman and break the, which commandment is it they break? I forgot the number and think no man should rashly quote for fear of a mistake. I say, when these same gentlemen are jealous, they make some blunder which their ladies tell us. A real husband always is suspicious, but still no less suspects in the wrong place. Jealous of someone who had no such wishes, or pandering blindly to his own disgrace. By harbouring some dear friend extremely vicious, the last indeed infallibly the case. And when the spouse and friend are gone off wholly, he wonders at their vice and not his folly. Thus parents also are at times short-sighted. Though watchful as the links, they never discover the while the wicked world beholds delighted young hopeful's mistress or Miss Fanny's lover till some confounded escapade has blighted 
the plan of 20 years and all is over and then the mother cries the father swears and wonders why the devil has got heirs but Inez was so anxious and so clear of sight that I must think on this occasion she had some other motive much more near for leaving one to his new temptation but what that motive was I shan't say here perhaps to finish Juan's education perhaps to open Don Alfonso's eyes in case he thought his wife too great a prize it was upon a day a summer's day summer's indeed a very dangerous season and so is spring about the end of May the sun no doubt is the prevailing reason but whatsoever the cause is one may say and stand convicted of more truth than treason that there are months which nature grows more merry in March has its hairs and May must have its heroine it was on a summer's day the 6th of June I like to be particular in dates not only of the age and year but moon they are a sort of post house where the fates change horses make history change its tune then spur away over empires and over states leaving at last not much besides chronology except in the post bits of theology it was on the 6th of June about the hour of half past six perhaps still nearer seven when Julius sate within as pretty a bower as ever held hoary in that heathenish heaven described by Mohammed and Anacreon more to whom the lyre and laurels have been given with all the trophies of triumphant song he won them well and may he wear them long she sate but not alone I know not well how this same interview had taken place and even if I knew I should not tell people should hold their tongues in any case no matter how or why the thing befell but there were she and Juan face to face with two such faces as so twould be wise but very difficult to shut their eyes how beautiful she looked her conscious heart glowed in her cheek and yet she felt no wrong oh love how perfect is thy mystic art strengthening the weak and trampling on the strong how self-deceitful is the sagest part of mortals whom thy law have led along the precipice she stood on was immense so was her creed in her own innocence she thought of her own strength and one's youth and of the folly of all prudish fears victorious virtue and domestic truth and then of don alfonso's fifty years i wish they had last not occurred in sooth because that number rarely much adheres and through all climes the snowy and the sunny sounds ill in love whatever it may in money when people say i've told you fifty times they mean to scold and very often do when poets say i've written fifty rhymes they make you dread that they'll recite them too in gangs of fifty, thieves commit their crimes. At fifty, love for love is rare, tis true. But then, no doubt, it equally as true is, a good deal may be bought for fifty louis. Julia had on her virtue, truth and love for Don Alfonso, and she inly swore, by all the vows below to powers above, she would never disgrace the ring she wore, nor leave a wish which wisdom might reprove. And while she pondered this, besides much more, one hand on one's carelessly was thrown, quite by mistake, she thought it was her own. 
Unconsciously, she'd leaned upon the other, which played within the tangles of her hair, and to contend with thoughts she could not smother, she seemed by the distraction of her air, it was surely very wrong in one's mother to leave together this imprudent pair, she who for many years had watched her son so, and very certain mine would not have done so. The hand which still held one's by degrees gently, but palpably confirmed its grasp, as if it said, detain me if you please. Yet there's no doubt she only meant to clasp his fingers with a pure platonic squeeze. She would have shrunk as from a toad or asp, had she imagined such thing could rouse a feeling dangerous to a prudent spouse. I, ca I cannot know what one thought of this, but what he did is much what you would do. His young lip thanked it with a grateful kiss, and then abashed at its own joy withdrew in deep despair, lest he had done amiss. Love is so very timid when it's new. She blushed and frowned not, but she strove to speak, and held her tongue, her voice was grown so weak. The sun set, and up rose the yellow moon, the devils in the moon for mischief, they who called her chase, methinks, began too soon, their nomenclature, there is not a day, the longest not the 21st of June, sees half the business in a wicked way, of which three single hours of moonshine smile, and then she looks so modest all the while. There is a dangerous silence in the hour, a stillness which leaves room for the full soul to open all itself without the power of calling holy back its self-control. The silver light which, hallowing tree and tower, sheds beauty and deep softness over the whole, breathes also to the heart and over it throws a loving languor which is not repose. And Julia sate with one, half embraced and half retiring from the glowing arm, which trembled like the bosom where it was placed, yet she must have thought there was no harm, or else were easy to withdraw her waist. But then the situation had its charm, and then God knows what's next. I can't go on. I'm almost sorry that I'd ever begun. Oh, Plato, Plato, you have paved the way with your confounded fantasies to more immoral conduct by the fancied sway your system feigns over this controlless core of human hearts than all the long array of poets and romancers. You're a bore, a charlatan, a cotscomb, and have been, at best, no better than a go-between. And Julia's voice was lost, except in sighs, until too late for useful conversation. The tears were gushing from her gentle eyes. I wish indeed they had not had occasion. But who, alas, can love and then be wise? Not that remorse did not oppose temptation. A little still she strove and much repented, and whispering, I will never consent, consented. It is said that Xerxes offered a reward to those who could invent him a new pleasure. Methinks the requisition's rather hard, and must have cost his majesty a treasure. For my part, I am a moderate-minded bard, fond of a little love, which I call leisure. I care not for new pleasures, as the old, are quite enough for me, so they but hold. O oh, pleasure, you are indeed a pleasant thing, although one must be damned for you, no doubt. I make a resolution every spring of reformation ere the year run out. But somehow this my vestal vow takes wing, yet still I trust it may be kept throughout. I'm very sorry, very much ashamed, and mean next winter to be quite reclaimed. Here my chaste muse a liberty must take. Start not, still chaste reader, she'll be nice hence. Forward 
and there is no great cause to quake. This liberty is a poetic license, which some irregularity may make in the design. And as I have a high sense of Aristotle and the rules, tis fit to beg his pardon when I err a bit. This license is to hope the reader will suppose from June the 6th, the fateful day, without whose epoch my poetic skill, for want of facts, will all be thrown away. But keeping Julia and Don Juan still in sight, the several months have passed, will say, "'Twas in November, but I'm not so sure about the day. The ear is more obscure. We'll talk of that anon. Tis sweet to hear at midnight on the blue and moonlit deep the song and awe of Adria's gondolier by distance mellowed over the water's sweep. Tis sweet to see the evening star appear Tis sweet to listen as the night winds creep from leaf to leaf. Tis sweet to view on high the rainbow based on ocean span the sky. Tis sweet to hear the watchdog's honest bark bay deep mouth welcome as we draw near home. Tis sweet to know there is an eye will mark our coming and look brighter when we come. Tis sweet to be awakened by the lark or lulled by falling waters. Sweet the hum of bees, the voice of girls, the song of birds, the lisp of children and their earliest words. Sweet is the vintage when the showery grapes in back of all profusion reel to earth, purple and gushing. Sweet are our escapes from civic revelry to rural mirth. Sweet to the miser are his glittering heaps. Sweet to the father is his first born's birth. Sweet is revenge, especially to women. Pillage to soldiers, prize money to seamen. Sweet is a legacy, and passing sweet the unexpected death of some old lady or gentleman of seventy years complete, who made us youth wait too, too long already for an estate or cash or country seat. Still breaking, but with stamina so steady, that all the Israelites are fit to mob its next owner for their double-down post-orbits. Tis sweet to win, no matter how one's laurels, by blood or ink, tis sweet to put an end to strife, tis sometimes sweet to have our quarrels, particularly with a tiresome friend, sweet as old wine in bottles, ale in barrels, dear is the helpless creature we defend, against the world and dear the schoolboy spot, we never forget, though there we are forgot. But sweeter still than this, than these, than all, is first and passionate love, it stands alone. Like Adam's recollection of his fall, the tree of knowledge has been plucked, all is known, and life yields nothing further to recall, worthy of this ambrosial sin, so shown, no doubt in fable, as the unforgiven fire which Prometheus filched for us from heaven. Man is a strange animal and makes strange use of his own nature and the various arts and likes particularly to produce some new experiment to show his parts. This is the age of oddities let loose, where different talents find their different marks. You best begin with truth, and when you've lost your labour, there's a sure market for imposture. What opposite discoveries we have seen, signs of true genius and of empty pockets. One makes new noses, one a guillotine. One breaks your bones, one sets them in their sockets. But vaccination certainly has been a kind antithesis to Congreve's rockets with which the doctor paid off an old pox by borrowing a new one from an ox. Bread has been made indifferent from potatoes and galvanism has set some corpses grinning but has not answered like the apparatus of the Humane Society's beginning 
by which men are unsuffocated gratis. What wondrous new machines have late been spinning? I said the smallpox has gone of late. Perhaps it may be followed by the great. Tis said the great came from America. Perhaps it may set out on its return. The population there so spreads, they say, tis grown high time to fin in its turn. With war or plague or famine anyway, so that civilization they may learn, and which in ravage the more loathsome evil is. There we'll lose, or our sadocyphilis. This is the patent age of new inventions for killing bodies and for saving souls, all propagated with the best intentions, Sir Humphrey Davy's lantern, by which coals are safely mined for in the mode he mentions, Timbuktu travels, voyages to the poles, a waste of benefit mankind is true, perhaps a shoot in them at Waterloo. Man's a phenomenon, one knows not what, and wonderful beyond a wondrous measure, Tis pity, though, in this sublime world that pleasure's a sin, and sometimes sin's a pleasure. Few mortals know what end they would be at, but whether glory, power, or love, or treasure, the path is through perplexing ways, and when the goal is gained, we die, you know. And then, what then? I do not know, no more do you, and so good night, return we to our story. T'was in November, when fine days are few, and the far mountains wax a little hoary and clap a white cape on their mantles blue, and the sea dashes round the promontory, and the loud breaker boils against the rock, and sober suns must set at five o'clock. T'was, as the watchmen say, a cloudy night, no moon, no stars, the wind was low or loud, by gusts, and many a sparkling hearth was bright, with the piled wood round which the family crowd, there's something cheerful in that sort of light. Even as the summer skies without a cloud, I'm fond of fire and crickets and all that, I loved the salad and champagne and chat. It was midnight and Dollar Julia was in bed, sleeping most probably when at her door arose a clatter might awake the dead if they had ever been awoke before, and that they may have been so we have all read, I'd are to be so at least once more. The door was fastened but with voice and fist, first knocks were heard, then Madam, Madam, hissed. For God's sake, Madam, Madam, here's my master, with more than half the city at his back. Was ever heard of such a cursed disaster? Tis not my fault, I kept good watch, alack. Do pray undo the bolt a little faster. They're on the stair just now, and in a crack we'll all be here. Perhaps he may yet fly. Surely the window's not so very high. By this time, Don Alfonso was arrived, with torches, friends and servants in great number. The major part of them had long been wived, and therefore pause not to disturb the slumber of any wicked woman who contrive by stealth her husband's temples to encumber. Examples of this kind are so contagious, were one not punished, all would be outrageous. I can't tell how or why or what suspicion could enter in Don Alfonso's head, but for a cavalier of his condition, it surely was exceedingly ill-bred, without a word of previous admonition, to hold a levy round his lady's bed and summon lackeys armed with fire and sword, to prove himself the thing he most abhorred, poor Donna Julia, start, starting us from sleep, mind that I do not say she had not slept, began at once to scream and yawn and weep. Her maid Antonia, who was an adept, contrived to fling the bedclothes in a heap, as if she had just done now from the, the outcrept. As if she had just now from out them crept, I can't tell why she would take all this trouble to prove her mistress had been sleeping double. But Julia, mistress, and Antonia maid appeared like two poor harmless women who, of goblins, 
but still more of men afraid, had thought of one man might be deterred by two, and therefore side by side were gently laid, until the hours of absence should run through, and truant husband should return and say, My dear, I was the first who came away. Now Julia found at length of voice and cried, In heaven's name, Don Alfonso, what do you mean? Has madness seized you? Would that I had died, ere such a monster's victim I had been. What made this midnight violence betide, a sudden fit of drunkenness or spleen? Dare you suspect me whom the fault would kill? Search then the room, Alfonso said, I will. He searched, they searched, and rummaged everywhere, closet and cloth press, chest and window seat, and found much linen, lace and several pair of stockings, slippers, brushes, combs complete, with other articles as ladies fair, to keep them beautiful or leave them neat, arrays their pricks and curtains with their sword, and wounded several shutters and some boards. Under the bed they searched, and there they found, no matter what, it was not what they sought. They opened windows, gazing if the ground had signs or footmarks, but the earth had said naught, and then they stared each other's faces round. It is odd, not one of these, all, not all of these seekers fought, and seemed to be almost a sort of blunder of looking in the bed as well as under. During this inquisition, Julia's tongue would not, was not asleep. Yes, search and search, she cried, insult on insult heap, and wrong on wrong. It was for this that I became a bride. For this in silence I had suffered long, a husband like Alfonso at my side. But now I'll bear no more, nor here remain, if there be law or lawyers in all Spain.'